If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew 2, and we are continuing on here in our Christmas series called The Stars of Christmas. And the first week we looked at Mary and Joseph, and last week we looked at the shepherds and the angels, and this week we're going to look at the Magi and King Herod. And um, this is going to be in Matthew chapter 2. The midweeks as well, we looked at... um, Zachariah and Elizabeth, and we also looked at John the Baptist, and this coming Wednesday we'll take a look at the uh, infamous innkeeper that'll be coming to you on Wednesday's email uh, that goes out called the Midweek. Before we get into this passage, I'm going to just take a moment to pray. This is God's Word. He speaks to us through His Word. So would you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time of worship together as we gather around your word. Your word is truth. And Lord, as we lean into your word, we believe that you're speaking to each and every heart that is listening and leaning in. So Father, we ask for your blessing upon this time. Please use me as I share the things you've put on my heart to share. We also ask for a blessing upon our children's ministry. Father, you would bless their time in the Word, growing in Jesus. We thank you for all the volunteers helping in that area, and we ask, Lord, for your anointing upon their time. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Matthew 2, starting here in verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel." Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they, gave, and then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Well, that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. That would be from the book of Hosea. Now, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. I find that to be kind of an interesting statement. The wise men outwitted King Herod. And he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Now, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Now when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said, He will be called a Nazarene. So just while we're fresh off of verse 23, I just want to make a note here. There is no prophet in the Old Testament that specifically calls Jesus a Nazarene. Uh, The reason why it's saying this is because someone that would come from Nazareth would be an individual that would be despised and rejected. This was not a popular place. And there are many Old Testament prophets that would speak to that truth, that Jesus would be despised and rejected. Another view on that is in Isaiah chapter 11. It talks about how Jesus is going to be this branch that would come from the line of David. And that word branch actually has connections there to Nazarene. And so that's why that uh, is there, even though you don't necessarily see a prophet directly saying that he will be called a Nazarene. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. So as we walk through these stars of Christmas, today we're focusing in on the Magi and King Herod. And I want to start actually unpacking some things with King Herod. This man was crazy, and he was evil. And I'm going to walk through some of uh, his rule and reign here, and it's quite a thing. He was the king of Judea. This was an empowerment given to him by the Roman government. And Rome actually called him the king of the Jews. And he even called himself that, the king of the Jews. You see some irony here when Jesus would show up onto the scene, the true 
king of the Jews. He was a descendant of Esau, but due to some intermarriage, he identified as a Jew, even though he didn't really practice his Jewish faith. And under Herod's rule, even though he was an evil man, there was some economic gain, there was prosperity, and that kind of led to some of the popularity that he might have had, but he really wasn't all that popular because of the way he handled himself. This man, even though there was economic prosperity, he was bankrupt in his heart. He was incredibly twisted and evil. He was very insecure. And in my study, there was one thing brought forward here, that if Herod would die, he had actually made a request that he wanted them to kill his wife so that no one else could have her. And when Herod got sick, he actually had some prominent men arrested with orders to execute them on the day that he died. And the purpose for this is because he was not very well liked, and he was concerned that on the day of his death, people would be rejoicing. And so to try to cover that up, we're going to have these prominent men executed so that people will be mourning on the day that I die. Now, the people that were put in power by Herod did not follow through with that. The thing about when a leader dies is they're not there to follow through on their threat, and so they ended up letting these people go. Herod was married at least nine times in order to fulfill his lusts and strengthen his political ties. You know what's interesting is that you can have all the power that this world has to offer, but you can still lack peace in your heart. And you're reaching for things all over the place, and you're threatened, easily threatened, and fearing potential rivals to your throne. People like his own brother-in-law, his own mother-in-law, one of his wives, and two of his own sons, he had them executed because he feared that they may be threatening the throne. There's even a statement that goes, it is better to be Herod's dog, I've also heard his pig, than it is to be one of his own children. Herod was a wicked man, and he wanted Jesus dead. And when he loses his connection to the Magi that were going to find this child, he flips out. And you see him go into this rage that's clearly inspired by demonic activity. And he orders that young children, age two and younger, in the area of Bethlehem be executed. Now, I don't know if you can think in your mind about how many kids would maybe have been executed through that. Through my study here, it says that the number of homes that were impacted by this slaughter would be anywhere from five to six homes all the way up to a max of maybe 30. Bethlehem was a small, small area. And so one even suggests around 20. But this devastated homes, as you can imagine. You know, it's interesting. This is brought out from the Life Application Study Bible, but it says that Jesus didn't want Herod's throne. Jesus wanted to be the king of Herod's heart. 
But Herod was threatened by this infant, and he's going mad, and he's bringing orders of execution, and Herod eventually dies of an incurable disease, which we know then opens the door for Mary and Joseph to travel back out of Egypt. Let's focus on some lighter individuals, shall we? And we'll talk about these wise men known as Magi. It's translated wise men, but it's this group of Eastern scholars who studied the stars. Some people might say they were magicians, but their primary focus would have been astrology, and it was a very sophisticated science in their era. And Magi, they were not kings, even though we say we three kings, but they would have been priests or court advisors to people that were high up in the government, likely coming from Babylonia or Persia. And they traveled roughly 800 to 900 miles to see this king and to worship this king. And these wise men, some speculate that they could have had some connection to the Jewish people because the Jews were exiled into Babylon and there could be uh, some remnants, if you will, that would still be in that area. But they're mainly seen as Gentiles, people that would be outside of the Jewish faith. That would be the more popular belief. So here we have some outsiders that are searching for the Messiah. They likely had a connection to some of the Old Testament manuscripts. See, the prophet Daniel would have been serving back in that territory, and he had prophesied that there would be a Messiah coming. That's in Daniel chapter 9. And so it's possible that these wise men had a bit of an understanding. If they didn't have Daniel chapter 9, regardless of that, they were led by the Lord to follow this star and go to Jesus. Tradition tells us there were three wise men, and we get that because there were three gifts that they presented. And I actually have some of what they brought, not the, the original, okay? <laughs> That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Um, so we have here some frankincense and some gold and some myrrh. And to try to kind of bring this in a little bit more for you, something tangible here, I'm just going to let you guys pass this around. And um, don't take one down, pass it around. Just look at it. I went to church today and I got gold. (laughs) But you're welcome to look at those things. It's possible there was more than three. I've even read up to 14. Doesn't that just mess with the nativity scene, huh? I got three figurines. I need 11 more. Got to go back to the store to pick those up. But regardless, these wise astrologers, they followed what's known as the star of Bethlehem. And so let's spend a little time here on this star. This is fascinating. The star of Bethlehem, as I read this passage in verse 2, it actually says that it's Jesus' star. It refers to this star as His. And so we know that it's being singled out in that manner. 
Some look at this star as maybe even be called the star of Jacob, where the prophet Balaam speaks and mentions that there's going to be a star or a scepter rising out of Jacob. That's from Numbers 24, verse 17. Interesting note, Balaam was also a Gentile. And God using these people to declare and to recognize the birth of Jesus Christ. This mobile star first brought the wise men to the city of Jerusalem. And there they have their meeting with Herod. And then following that meeting, that star actually leads them to Bethlehem, right where they would find Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Now, there's some speculation as to what this star might have been made up of. Some might say a supernova, which would be an explosion of stars. Maybe even a comet to the alignment of planets. What we do know is there's something in the heavens that provided a brighter than normal light in the sky. But I do think there's speculation that this was not something that was a natural star phenomenon, but there was something going on that's unexplained by science. One thing that's interesting about this star is it seemed to only appear to the Magi. They were tuned in. They were clued in about this. And it was moving in some directional patterns that are different than your normal star patterns. And this star actually stops right overhead of where Jesus was located. And so there's even some speculation, could this have been an angel, a very bright angel that was guiding the way? The most popular view on this is that this star is actually known as something called Shekinah Glory. And if you remember in the Old Testament when God's presence would lead the nation of Israel by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, that was the Shekinah glory. Isn't this interesting that it's very possible that the same glory that was being shown to the nation of Israel is the same glory that's being presented here in this star that would lead the Magi to Jesus. Whatever it is, we know this star led the way and led these wise men to the house of Jesus. Now let's take a little time here on our verse for this week. This is Matthew 2.11. And it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, that is the wise men, and they worshipped him. They worshiped Jesus. Then the wise men opened their treasures and presented Jesus with gifts of gold, with frankincense, and myrrh. So here's some interesting things. I know I already kind of blew up the nativity by saying there could have been more than three wise men, but to blow it up even further is this verse says the wise men came to Mary and Joseph in Jesus' house. Where was Jesus born? Right, we know he was in a stable, right, and placed in this manger, this feeding trough. And now when the three wise men or how many ever wise men show up, they're going to their home. Some things have transitioned here. 
between the verses that we've been walking through the past couple of weeks. They've now entered into the home. This could be days after Jesus' birth. This could be months after Jesus' birth. This could be all the way up even into two years after Jesus' birth. So maybe don't break the wise men out for the nativity until like halfway through Advent. I don't know. (laughs) But what's interesting in Mary and Joseph and Jesus' circumstances, they're here in Bethlehem, and they're to go to Jerusalem to the temple to present a sacrifice. Because you see, for 40 days after a woman would give birth, she would be considered ceremonially unclean. You want a little extra note to that. If they gave birth to a daughter, they'd be ceremonially unclean for 80 days, twice as much as boys. I didn't make the rule. Just find it intriguing. But in Luke 2, verse 22, Mary and Joseph go to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice for Mary's purification. She needed to be clean. And this sacrifice would be a baby lamb and then add in a dove or a pigeon. But if you were poor, you could sacrifice two doves or two pigeons, which is what this family did. You know the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, and you get to day two, two turtle doves? I wonder where we get that. Perhaps it was from the sacrifice that Mary had to make in order to be pure again because she was ceremonially unclean. So kind of an interesting thing there. They stuck around in Bethlehem. That's about a five to six mile hike to Jerusalem. Okay, a little closer to that city and to that temple. And so there's a variety of scenarios here, and I don't want to get lost in the weeds on this. I just find this fascinating. But it's possible these wise men showed up within that 40-day time frame where they were kind of waiting to go to the temple for Mary's purification process. And Joseph ended up finding some temporary housing that they could stay at before they made this necessary trip to Jerusalem. Another scenario is that Mary and Joseph And this is probably a little more likely, is that they went to Jerusalem, but then they came back to Bethlehem. And then they found a house in Bethlehem after their temple visit. Or their housing had already been established before they went to Jerusalem and then coming back. But either way, it makes the wise men showing up to them at least a month and a half after Jesus was born, but also within that two-year period window. And the last scenario is all the way up to two years later because Herod decrees that any child two years and younger would be killed. Right? This could have been an extra measure done by Herod, though, just to make sure, so he extended it to two years. We don't know that. But the rough time frame there is most likely a couple years And it seems as though that Mary and Joseph were married, they were living in a house, and they were intending to stay in Bethlehem for a while. So as I'm going through this, here's my question that I'm kind of asking myself as I'm walking through the story. Why wouldn't they go back 
to their home area and the people that they know right away? That question was rolling through my mind this week. And I think there's several things that could have prevented them from going. One would be, imagine the concerns of a huge journey back to their home area with this new infant. I think there's some risks involved with a journey like that. So perhaps they were just going to wait this out, allow Jesus to grow up a little bit, and then make the journey back. We don't know that for sure, but that could have been one of the reasons. The other one is we know they were poor. And we know that these gifts that were given by the wise men likely helped fund their trip into Egypt and maybe even their trip back to where they were from. But perhaps one of the reasons why they weren't necessarily going back right away is because they couldn't afford it. I mean, I know fuel wasn't $2 and whatever somebody told me this morning. But it took money. you got to stop and stay places. And there's food and all this stuff for these long journeys. you got to be able to afford that. And another thought I had with this, is it possible that Mary and Joseph chose to stick back for a couple of years because if they went back to their hometown, they'd have to face some of the ridicule. It just causes me to contemplate on that, and perhaps there's a little bit of a life lesson here that sometimes a little distance, a little time helps, and maybe that's what God had placed for them so that when they went back they didn't have to deal with some of those murmurings. And did you know that Joseph got his wife pregnant before they got married? Stuff like that. They wouldn't have to deal with that maybe if they weren't back home. Just interesting things to think about. Regardless, we know that they're in Bethlehem. And here come these wise men. But the wise men did not show up on the night of Jesus' birth and present these gifts to worship Him right there in the stable. Some things had transpired. So let's walk through some of the gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and what they would represent. The gold given to Christ was to symbolize His divinity. This is God in the flesh. And so gold representing that and His kingship Frankincense was actually this white resin or gum that if you scarred up a tree, this would start to leak out of the tree. And so people would make the incisions on the bark, allowing the gum to flow out, and they would use this. They would burn it for incense at worship, and it was used for a variety of things. Frankincense has incredible qualities for people's health, and there's just tons of things, a very expensive thing. And the gift of frankincense here was symbolic in the fact that Jesus would become a sacrifice for our sin. Myrrh was also obtained from trees, similar manner, and it was a spice that was used for embalming. What a gift to give a newborn some embalming spice. But obviously we know that there's a prophetic component to that and that this child would die for our sin. This spice would also be mixed into drinks referred to as gall, kind of used, we see it used in the crucifixion account. 
Myrrh symbolizes this bitterness and this suffering and infliction that this child Jesus would have to endure. You know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they were the most expensive items that the wise men could have brought the king. That's interesting. These provisions, like I said, would likely help them on their journey to Egypt and then back to their home area. And I just want to make a point with these wise men here. They brought their best to worship the king. They brought their best to worship the king. And I think we can take some notes. And when it comes to worshiping Jesus, we give Him our best. We don't give Him whatever we have left in the tank after we've done all the things that we want to do or we have all our agenda and our priorities and then when we get to the end of doing those things, whatever might be left, that's what we give the king. No, they gave the best when it came to their worship of Jesus. So we should give our best. In Matthew 2.11, it says that they bowed down and they worshipped Him. Whatever the age Jesus was when they showed up, they came to worship. And the Magi were doing what they were created by Jesus to do. That is, to worship Him. Think, this child was a part of their existence. And now they're worshiping him. They're worshiping the king. And I want to just draw out a point here. They went miles and miles and miles to see this king and to worship this king. And when they got to Jerusalem first and they were talking about how they traveled through, they're looking for this king, and people were starting to get in this frenzy, especially King Herod. So then he calls in the religious leaders and has this consultation with the Magi there also, and he wants to know where the Scriptures talk about this Messiah coming and where he's going to be. And these religious leaders say it's going to be in Bethlehem. That's like five or six miles away. Now, if you're a religious leader and there's some people coming off from some far ancient land and they say, we're here because we're looking for the Messiah, a star has led us to this place, do you think the religious leaders are like, we should maybe go check this out? And they can't even go five or six miles to see Jesus. But these outsiders have gone a great distance What this tells me is that we can know the Scriptures, yet we can also lack in our pursuit of Jesus. You see a hardness of heart going on in these religious leaders. You know, there's a difference between knowing things in your head and knowing Christ in your heart. I've heard that the distance between heaven and hell is roughly six to eight inches. Things that you have here versus a changed heart through the grace of God Almighty. These religious leaders, it's almost like they didn't care. And yet these outsiders who would have been leaders in their territory, they went through great lengths to pursue Christ. How far are we willing to go? 
in our pursuit of Jesus. You know, at some point in your life, you're going to have to determine if King Jesus is worth worshiping. Is he worth your time? And as they say, actions speak louder than words. Is Jesus worth it? Your action or your inaction will be determined by what you purpose in your heart regarding Jesus. Carrying on here in Matthew 2, verse 11, the Bible says that the wise men opened up their treasures. They opened up their treasures for the king. Worship is a matter of the heart. And the treasury of our heart needs to be open. Are you open to King Jesus? You know, the truth of the wise men in their pursuit of Jesus, there's application in this for us today. And I want you to know this truth. Wise men still seek Him. Wisdom in your life, the foundation of that is in your pursuit of Christ. So be like the wise men. Pursue Jesus. Go great lengths to pursue Him. Here's some additional reflection for us. You know, the Magi, they went great lengths to bring their gifts to Jesus. Okay? They're givers in this story. And then we have King Herod, and he kind of sounds like a taker, doesn't he? He's not much for gift giving. He'd be like the Grinch. He was pretty self-absorbed. Let that be some application for us here in this Christmas season. Folks, Christmas is pretty miserable when you make it all about you. But when we open our hearts and we make it about Jesus and we make it about being generous and a blessing to those around us, it's one of the most wonderful times of the year. So another point of reflection here is it seems like there's quite a hassle here of Mary and Joseph going all the way over to Egypt. And this was my thought this week. You know, God, like he needs my counsel. (laughs) Wouldn't it have been easier to just wipe out this evil King Herod so this family can just move on instead of sending them off into some other country? Well, God is sovereign and He can do whatever He wants. And in the midst of that truth, there's an opportunity here for Mary and Joseph to trust God's plan even when it takes you to Egypt. 
And there's some application in that for each and every one of us. Sometimes there are things going on in our life where it seems like we're being taken in a variety of directions, and that was not our plan. But here we go. But if it's in the will of God, it's where you need to be. And so you trust Him through that, just like Mary and Joseph. I can't imagine that their trip to Egypt was all very polite and sweet. And I mean, they've got a little child, right? What were the words being exchanged to each other? Oh, honey, isn't it beautiful out? You know? <laughs> Look at our, our son. He's so well behaved. It's like he's perfect. <laughs> I'm sure there was some moments in that trip where maybe the frustration was high or there was some anxious thoughts, but they trust the plan of God. An angel had told them, this is where you need to go. So you go. And you trust that God will work out the details along the way. Let us go great lengths to worship the King. Remember, it's not about you. Make it about Jesus and being generous with His grace to other people. And trust in God's plan, no matter where it might take you. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I'm trusting that your Spirit is at work ministering to hearts, speaking into our lives. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for this account to see these wise men go great lengths to worship you. Lord, search our hearts. Where are we at in our pursuit of Christ? I pray that you would stir in us a heart that seeks after you. Lord, if there's someone listening right now that there's something going on inside of them, they feel drawn to Jesus and they would like to begin a relationship with Christ the King. As you're listening today and you desire the gift of salvation that Jesus came to bring, I want to encourage you to pray with me right now to receive Jesus into your life. Simply pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I want you to be the king of my life. Recognizing that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, I come to you and I ask for your forgiveness. And I ask for your grace. Please forgive me and make me a new person. Help me to walk with you in light of your grace from this day forward. Thank you for saving me.
Thank you for this gift of salvation. And Lord, for all of us as we continue on in this Advent season, help us to make much of King Jesus and to serve and be a blessing to those around us. Let it not be about us and even the materialism that goes on, not just in our culture, but right in our own homes. We can lose sight of things that truly matter. And Lord, thank you for the reminder that even when we're walking through things that may not always make sense, we can trust your plan. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.